Welcome to Canquia, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And uh, we are very excited to be back at it again today. We had a bit of trouble recording last week. Uh, you disappeared off the face of the earth. Yep. Yes, yep. I did. <laughs> I, uh, I, it was a combination of running out of my uh, uh, don't fall asleep spontaneously medication and fighting with the pharmacy to get a renewal. Which and then led to you falling asleep suddenly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I called you three days later, being like, "Did you die, or should we send a search party?" Well, you know, um, metaphorically, uh, sleep is a form of death, and in Greek mythology, uh, the god of sleep is twin brothers with the god of death because you can't tell them apart. Now, in French, you obviously know this, but an orgasm <laughs> is a mini death. No. No. Not Isn't necessarily. It? Le petit mort is yeah. uh, so the French word for orgasm is une orgasme. Oh well, I mean that's that's <laughs> just that's le, not le very. Le petit mort so. is the period after that where you just lay there like, oh, I don't want to move. So, oh, I see. Yeah. So post coitus. Uh, well, who knew the conversation would get us there uh, so early <laughs> in the show? Um, I want to also offer our sincerest apology to the community-based research center. Uh, we completely messed up and missed uh, our first uh, interview with them, with uh, Len Tooley, the Evaluation and Advancement Director. We're going to reach out and see if we can reschedule. We were supposed to be talking about poppers um, with the federal election underway. Mm. Weirdly enough, we are not going to talk about almost anything Canada related today because <laughs> uh, we are recording before the election. You are hearing us during or after the election so yeah, yeah, just yeah. to avoid all confusion we're going to pretend that uh, that uh, it doesn't exist and there has been a lot going on across the rest of the planet i don't know <laughs> if we're going to we're going to get to it but there was Old... one thing that came up that jumped out at me yeah. and it like made a spider actually i have been recruited to squish some spiders recently yes. but no it was um it jumped out at me because I was like, I know the solution to this. Oh, yes? I have the solution. I uh -huh. see the problem and I have the solution. So let me just let you know that Milton Keynes Pride Festival uh -huh. in, uh, in Milton Keynes in England had this beautiful sort of tissue paper or sort of fake flower or real flower. I can't, it's flowers anyway. Yeah, sort yeah. of lovely rainbow arch um, sort of as the entrance into their uh, community fair element of their pride. Like a balloon arch at a festival? Yeah, but like oh, with, with flowers, with flowers and things. It, it's okay, very, okay. very pretty. Okay. Um, some tool has gone and set the damn thing on fire. Okay. And the whole thing <laughs> up in flames. It's just a, a, an arch of black ash. And uh, it's just not a good time. And I was thinking... I feel like that's a metaphor. I know. Well, yeah. I know the, the Milton Keynes police are going to respond to it. Milton Keynes is pretty gay in England. I think it's one of the I pretty mean, gay I mean, even places. beyond that, aside from the blatant homophobia or possible homophobia or whatever, all right, it, assumed homophobia, almost definitely homophobia, that's also just arson in the public space. Like, there's a lot of reasons to look into that and take it very seriously. That's not cool, bro. But yeah, what what I feel like I, I can guess what your solution is. And it has something to do with Poland. 
Um, no, it's the Ukraine or the Ukraine. And uh, Ukraine. I just want to mention that on, on Instagram, Milton Keynes Pride Festival said that the MKPF team are extremely saddened to discover that a personal persons have deliberately broken into the Pride site and set fire to the beautiful Rainbow Arch. Mm. And they go on to say the arch has been fenced and secured, which means that the incident was uh, undertaken on purpose. It wasn't a random fire on this isolated arch away for anything else hmm. um they go on to say sadly this incident shows there is still so much work to be done within milton Keynes hmm. in regards to the homophobia lesphobia transphobia and other forms of discrimination of the lgbt plus community face now my solution is i have witnessed well i haven't personally witnessed but we have reported upon mm-hmm. other rainbow pride decal things yes. being set on fire, particularly in the Ukraine. Yep. And in Ukraine, they they did it a few times and the pride organizers were like, gosh darn, if only we could make a rainbow that was inflammable or unflammable or non-flammable. Just non-flammable. Just All three avoid. of those mean the same thing, but yes, <laughs> they want a non-flammable <laughs> rainbow. Yes. And uh, they went back to basics, and I mean prism of light basics. Yes. And yes. they literally just had a, a small fountain sort of squirting water in, in a general direction and then shining a, a pretty light at it, yeah. uh, creating this lovely rainbow. Um, now, I don't know if the folks at Milton Keynes have got a small fountain and a, and a nice shiny light that they can replace it with. Do you uh, know? That's, that's what I would suggest. I know the cost of this kind of thing is coming down because I learned recently that that's what they do for road markings in parts of Finland. So when you have a, an intersection that's so complicated, you have to look at the lines on the road, but you can't see the lines on the road when it's covered in two inches of snow because it's February. So they've started projecting lines with light onto the intersections. So that well, that's a good idea, right? Why isn't Canada doing that? Why isn't Canada doing half of the good ideas? Ever? I know, I know. I mean, we are, I, I read a terrible story recently and uh, I'm going to break the hearts of a whole bunch of Ontarians. Um, it was on CTV and they said that Ontario, if you're outside of ter- Ontario, this is irrelevant. Okay. But they were saying, the CTV was saying that uh, the, the weather folks are predicting that we're going to have an early and dreadful uh, a winter snow in Ontario. So okay. we have Dread- that to look forward to. Dreadful, like it'll actually instill you with like screaming a dread. sense of dread. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> now, if Ontario invested on shiny light streets, uh, street lines, mm-hmm. then you could have half an inch or half a foot of snow and you'd yeah. still know where the middle of the blasted road was. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know if it if, if it takes a real Canadian to be able to drive down a road that may not be the road that could be the field next to the road, but it also could be where the car in front of you also drove road. Then you know, is that a rite of passage for Canadians to drive through a whiteout? I have been through it. I have uh, I have been with family driving in Quebec in Abitibi-Témiscamingue, which is a part of the province that most people don't know anybody lives there. Uh, Three just like saying it to show off. Well, whatever. MBTB. <laughs> Three inches of snow, can't see, can't even see the hood ornament. The snow is so bad. How do you know where you're going? You can feel the road underneath you. That it's you are driving with the feeling in the bottoms of your foot. 
that is that is not that is not wise. Well, it's <laughs> that is that is. It reminds me of. I've been watching Do you want to get home or not? And they uh, they touch the side and they're like, I can feel the train. I don't know. It's a bit wishy washy for me that particular approach. Yeah, well, I was thinking more like Toph from Avatar, but that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have uh, an. In- there's another story that uh, I, you know, interested in your perspective on. So in California, uh-huh. they are looking at uh, on Tuesday the legislation that approved a bill, um, and I believe it's going into the governor's uh, signature. I'm not sure where it stands. It's quite likely that it was signed into law. Okay. But essentially, they are changing the definition in the state of California of sexual battery uh, that's under less civil law. Okay. And it would make it a crime with a, a degree of jail time for the act of stealthing. Okay. So they're essentially making it illegal for someone to remove a condom during sex without the other person's knowledge or permission. Mm-hmm. Now, for folks who are in Canada and not listening from the state of California, which is, I think, the vast majority of everybody, um, I'm pretty confident this is already illegal in Can- in Canada. But the act of stealthing is something that we're familiar with. Both me and you, when I said stealthing, knew what that was. Is there case law surrounding this? Because that's usually how things work. It's probably one of those things where if there isn't case law, it would be easy to get this through the courts in Canada. Well, in Canada, you need uh, you, you need competent consent, essentially. You know, they need okay, to, yep. you, you know, you can't be inebriated. You can't be unaware. Yep, yep. You need to be sort of informed of the facts to consent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it has to, you know, advocates, sex advocates, you know, push for enthusiastic Mm-hmm. Uh, and consistent consent mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, you can withdraw consent at any point. You can mm-hmm. always say no. There is no mm-hmm. uh, yep. no pre-approval that happens for, for sexual intercourse. And with that in mind, if you have not consented to uh, intercourse without the use of a condom and the other party does that, they are doing something to which you have not consented. Yes, yes. And I think at that point, you know, you'd be looking at sexual assault and, and so yeah. on and so forth. Well, the, my attitude is, uh, I mean, I'm kind of taking from Hippocrates here where the, the poison is in the dose. You know, how much do I approve of this? Well, there's a lot of things that I think should be illegal. But the, the question is, what should the repercussions be? Um, I don't think 20 years in prison for stealthing is appropriate i i don't think five hours of community service is appropriate either um i think it just really lands on how like what comes of it we're not we're not we're not judges we're not uh, experienced in the in the fine measure of where and how to to apply the broad idea of if you do something like this there will be repercussions that broad concept yes I endorse this. We've know? talked about stealthing a lot. I believe it came up a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this, but um, there was that uh, Ottawa gay man whose name I can't remember, but he essentially fled the city. But we should probably not say his name on there. Right? Yeah, but I forget his name. He was a, a, a I vile person. You know who <laughs> I'm talking you, about? Yeah, I'll tell you during the break. Okay. Um, he was, I believe, HIV positive and targeted younger gay men. Yes. Um, and, you know, informed them that, 
that he was using a condom and then specifically stealth. Yeah. And it was a, it was a motivation for power and control mm. um, more than anything else. And uh, it, it left, uh, you know, it left some of these, these poor men, uh, you know, uh, then infected with HIV and having to deal with that change to their health and, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, so we've come across it in its sort of most vile conclusion yeah but i yeah, think yeah. in california they're seeing you know women becoming pregnant because they were deceived in this way mm-hmm. um and thank god they aren't in texas because you know then they you know all kinds of repercussions from that but it's uh yeah i don't know i think it's an absolutely vile practice and i, I want to encourage all of our listeners who are maybe of an age where where this is of interest and yeah, consistent consent and and sticking to the the playbook that you've both agreed to is uh, mm. spontaneity. Obviously, great to have, mm-hmm. but this goes a bit beyond spontaneity. You know what I mean? This yeah, is yeah, deception. Yeah. This is deceit. I'm generally an optimistic person, but I also acknowledge that there are bad people in the world. And when you first meet somebody and it's your first time or first few times with them, you should always have in the back of your mind that you may have been. Uh, seduced by a bad person and you you really should sort of protect yourself and and ease into them slowly which is kind of good any time when you're in a sensitive position do the same thing with your accountant by the way because you're getting pretty sensitive information. <laughs> we're talking in terms of accounting here specifically yeah absolutely <laughs> well i'm talking in terms of uh, i mean on of- tiktok your accountant has a whole different meaning <laughs> I just, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are accountants um, and they may not be able to do your taxes is really where I'm going with this. I'm just saying, um, be careful who you're vulnerable with. And when you when you do choose to be vulnerable with somebody, be aware that you're in a position. And obviously, I think that you should come to a point where you can be 100 percent vulnerable with the right person at all times, such as your accountant, such as a good accountant. Mm -hmm. But. Not at first, you know, it's okay to be a to little be skeptical hesitant. of your accountant. Yes. Yes. I like it. I like it. Um, how, uh, you know, there is, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to jump to a, uh, our first song. There is a story of Birmingham, which I think is a bit of a cautionary tale. It is a sad tale, but it is a cautionary tale. And I will jump into that after our first track. This is by Madison Violet. This is Time to Right the Wrong, the 2021 remix. Uh, Madison Violet is a incredibly talented duo, Juno-nominated music duo. Um, so yeah, they've, they've received, received a whole bunch of accolades. As I was saying, this is Madison Violet's Time to Right the Wrong. We will be back.
Welcome back to Canqueer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And I, I promised a, a sort of cautionary tale. And, and we hear a lot about these incidents and we don't always report on them. There's actually, I'm going to sidebar just very briefly because there was a really interesting incident out in Spain. Okay. I don't know if you caught wind of this. This the, the Spanish incident that... Uh, uh, week and a half ago? Uh, well, yeah, it happened at the, around the start of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. This. So there was, a, there was a young man who reported to a local Spanish paper that uh, he was attacked on a Sunday afternoon in Madrid. Uh, the victim was called various insults, um, you know, eater of feces and uh, disgusting and so on. And they carved a Spanish word, which roughly translates to the, the uh, homophobic F word mm-hmm. um, on his on his butt. Um, and it kind of shocked Spanish society and the police looked into it quite seriously. Mm-hmm. They planned a series of protests all across the country. It sort of awoken an outrage across Spain because this was the latest in gradually escalating attacks on, on LGBT people across the country. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he had just been rather drunk, was in a consensual relationship and uh, had consented to having uh, that word on his behind. Was um, he? Yes, because when the police investigated, they couldn't find any witnesses. They couldn't. They checked all the videotape of all the roads anywhere around where okay. he said he was. Okay. Um, and uh, in the end, he uh, he came clean. Um, 
Oh, he confessed to it as well. Yeah, he confessed oh, it was a lie because the priests also... were a little skeptical when they couldn't find any evidence. Because there's also a rich history of of people getting a hate crime done against them, and then the police are going like, "Oh, they consented to it." Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, but what's interesting reason- here is in Spain, when we often see these sort of false flags, these kind of um, uh, fake reports. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, is it hate crime? Is he faking it? On this occasion, he did fake it. Yeah. But in Spain, the reaction locally in, in the country was more about the, okay, well, this guy, not a great example. Yeah. But here are 20 others. Yeah, here yeah, are yeah. all of the other ones that were real, that did happen, and that we're still outraged by. You know, mm-hmm. sure, the straw that broke the camel's back may not have been a straw after all. But the camel has got a very, very bad back and we need to deal with it. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's like, you know, maybe the next straw is real and, and we shouldn't wait until it gets to that. So mm-hmm. I, I was really intrigued about how Spain uh, reacted to this, but more importantly, how they reacted to the news that this particular incident wasn't real. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still find it fascinating how quickly Spain turned around from. Uh, ultra-violent conservative uh, uh, civil war in uh, what was it, the 80s, early 90s. And then sort of now they are the gem of Europe. They Every single study ever done has shown that they are the most welcoming, welcoming of LGBT people. They are the least against uh, same-sex marriage. They're the most for same-sex adoption. Every single measure there is, even more than the Netherlands and Sweden. And that is saying something. So yeah. for... For Spanish society to react like this does not shock me at all. I mean, there um, are there are elements, and there's another example with France, which I'll get into later, but there are mm-hmm. elements in Spanish society and, and across Europe mm-hmm. that are vile. Um, oh, yeah. The One of the protesters who went to the protest that had been triggered by this told the Associated Press, uh, we are tired of being attacked at any given moment. And he went on to say, I don't know if this last attack in Madrid is true or not. I don't really care mm. since we suffer all types of violence all year long. Mm. You know, and I think it was that sentence, the sentiment of it doesn't matter if that yeah. one was real or not, because well, it, all the other ones are. This is actually something that I've heard from uh, Swedish friends uh, before that Sweden in general is a very welcoming and friendly society but when you do get homophobia it's incredibly violent and most of the hate crimes done against lgbt folks in sweden are done by the same people again and again and again and again and even if you have overwhelming support you just need one or two jerks to just spoil it for everyone else and i think you know they're so close to the finish line basically is what i'm saying but you know that there comes a point where it's easier to cast sunlight on the last remaining stains when people care about them now. So, I mean, it is a tragedy that these things are still happening. It's great that that story turned out to be a big old fake. Uh, And it's also great to see that people are reacting in the way that they did instead of saying, well, this is no good. Stepping back and saying, well, let's let's discuss the things that are confirmed to be true. So back to the uh, cautionary tale that I had promised from Birmingham. So there is a 17-year-old. We don't have his name. It's been held by the courts um, as uh, as uh, he's a minor. He's gay. Mm-hmm. And um, 
was texting with this uh, young man, Taylor Knight, who was 20. And um, quite sexually explicit texts, quite you know romantic, clearly a, a budding texting relationship occurring between these two individuals. Okay. Um, the 17-year-old then went to Kings Heath in Birmingham, where uh, um, where he lived, where Taylor lived. Mm-hmm. Um, he then mentioned to the two teenage girls, one of whom was 15, and I think the other one was 17. Uh, that they were in a relationship. Now, Taylor had a friend that was named Ace. Okay. Uh, no, no detail. The police haven't been able to find this individual. Okay. Um, but uh, this this fourth person who arrived uh, began throwing homophobic abuse at the 17-year-old uh, who had attended this, this house. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Uh, they were they launched what has been described as a truly brutal attack which was obviously filmed by those in the room because okay. uh, of course they would um they threw water and a sandwich in his face and then it kind of escalated into much more violent uh, attack um they dragged him in the bathroom made him sit in a bath with cold water uh he was luckily able to text uh, i believe it was a family member um, who then uh, got to the house and uh, had contacted the police as well. So the police and them uh, arrived. Sorry, it was the victim's brother who was uh, text. Um, the, the police and the brother arrived uh, in time and were able to rescue him. Tylen, Taylor Knight was arrested. This ace character who sort of seems to have instigated the violence disappeared uh, there was a court order against Tyler actually being in the same room as one of the girls. So, mm. yeah, altogether, just a, a bad day. The 17-year-old is reported to have been broken by the attack. It was quite horrific mm. um, and is now suffering from PTSD. Taylor Knight is now serving um, just under four years in Birmingham for the attack. Um, but what's interesting is... The defense claimed that essentially it couldn't be a hate crime because Taylor was a sort of repressed homosexual. Um, he sort of violently acted out. He obviously was interested in this this seventeen year old, uh, as evidenced by the text exchange. Okay, uh, but obviously wasn't out to this ace character or others, and and violently participated in the attack. Um, and the judge said, "You can still be gay and." do a homophobic hate crime like you are capable of cognitive dissonance you are quite yeah. capable of having those two having and doing those two things at, at once yeah, yeah so yeah. it was interesting from the court case that the judge uh, heidi kubik um said that honestly she was she said that it was lucky that the federal prosecutors didn't put forward a hate crime case against mm. james knight because he would have lost it so they she they prosecuted him on on the violence. Um, she sentenced him on the violence, but specifically noted, yeah, that um, you know that had it been presented as a hate crime case, he would have had the book thrown at him essentially. Yeah. Um, the reason why I bring this up is, and it and it speaks a little bit to you know being cautious with your accountant. It is, and it's all about that sense of personal safety. I mean, in this cautionary tale which did happen in Birmingham yeah you know he was able to text his brother 
who then was able to send the police and, and end the violence when it happened. Mm. If you're going to hang out with somebody that you may not know well, you may know well enough, but do you know their mysterious friends called Ace? You know, do they? Do you know who else is in the room and, and how they may treat you and, and, and others? Um, so yeah, I think being safe, letting people know where you are, mm-hmm. because this story is, is, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're a dime a dozen. You know, this is just one of, of stories that we see similar. Yeah, and, and sometimes we hear stories like this where it's not necessarily a homophobic hate crime. It's just a sexual assault. Um, you know, there's catfishing involved. The, the person shows up. Three people who are not the person that they thought they were meeting are there. And all the details they thought they knew are false anyway. So, I mean, like, that kind of thing is... It, it or or the honey traps where you know they are who they say they are but they're they're not there to give you kisses they're there to steal your ps5 yeah um that kind of thing does happen um so it, it is it is important it, definitely on the first date probably up until the third date to to be cautious with this kind of thing because you don't know you don't know let people, you know, the usual advice, let people know where you're going, check in when you get home. Um, yeah, this isn't just, you know, two old white gay guys being paranoid. This is, you know, it is, yeah. it is frustrating that it happens and it, yeah. it is, the, the impacts are devastating. I wanted to also do a cautionary tale here on, on cruising. There is a 67-year-old mayor of a small town uh, in France. I think it's just outside Toulouse. Okay. Um, I just like Toulouse because it's got a cool name. And uh, on a Saturday night, this 67-year-old mayor left his small town, drove into the the outer edge of Toulouse and um, uh, to a parking lot that was quite well known as a gay cruising area. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, bish, bash, bosh, fast forward about an hour or so, and he is tied to a tree, uh, robbed and beaten in what was an evident uh, hate crime. And that was in Toulouse, France, you know, mm. to a to a mayor who is 67. Um, so, yeah, these things are these things happen. It happened just a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Personal safety is is something that we absolutely need to be cognizant and, and weary of. Mm. You know, I don't know if I've necessarily gone cruising. I have to think. About, have you gone cruising? Sebastian? No. no. Well, I mean, I used to work in a bar, so cruising came to me. Yes, that is true. Now, don't get me wrong. In my in my undergrad, and and which it wasn't that long ago. I'm not in my fifties, as people seem to think. I just <laughs> turned thirty. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, five, five, six, seven years ago, um, you know, I certainly wandered the, the the you know the gay part of town in in my 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 flouncy outfits. Yeah. Um, you know, you never had a flouncy outfit. I, I there is a photo of me in a remarkably flouncy outfit. I will have you know and. Uh, never will it surface so uh-huh. yes but the idea is is that you know i have been there looking to to meet an accountant as mm-hmm. it were and uh, uh you know but yeah personal safety absolutely incredibly important let's change the subject shall we with uh-huh. uh, let's jump to a first song and hopefully have uh, some slightly better yeah, second song second song sorry <laughs> and have some slightly better topics for afterwards which are a touch less depressing this is ironically i won't put up with it by uh taylor abrahams and uh, we will be back just after this. 
Welcome back to Cancrea, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. Now, can, I, Sebastian. can I share something with you yes. that I learned yesterday? What did you learn? Was it your ABCs? You know uh, the classic Cindy Lauper song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun? Yes. It's a cover. She didn't write it. Yeah, I knew that. Really? Yeah, it was like it, a 60s song or something. Yeah, It was like 78. But yeah, no, a guy wrote it. Yeah. Those lyrics do not sound like the lyrics that uh, a guy wrote, but yeah, sure enough. I mean, did he write it for himself or did he write it with the mind of a woman singer singing it? 
I don't know. Because like know. Justin Bieber did pumped up the kicks by um, Foster the People. Yeah, uh, there there is a whole genre of like songs you did not realize were covers. Like Tainted Love was originally a Motown hit. Things like that. Yeah, it was not yep. soft sell. They didn't do the and, and uh, uh, Oh Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. That's a cover. It's a good cover. It is a good cover. It's, I, it's yeah. much better than the original. But let's, let's get to news. Yeah. So that was an interesting. So the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Canada has announced season two and their, um, their sort of cast of uh, drag queens. Now, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine, Ron, he was Camilla Couture okay. of the Couture House. Okay. The House of Couture. And the mother of the house, Isis Couture, mm-hmm. uh, who is a bit of a legend in the Ottawa drag scene, uh, is competing in season two of RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. So I will be, um, you know, rooting for Isis Couture. I can't remember if Ron came before or after, if Camilla Couture came before or after Isis. I forget their, their drag family tree dynamics, but okay. I know they are of the same house. Um, and I know that uh, Isis Couture is is renowned. Is but this that's... the same house that uh, Zelda's in, or is that a different house? No, there's... no, because Zelda was in the house that um... a Kiki. Yeah, and there was uh, one of the contestants last year that was related to the house. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's three big houses in Ottawa. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about is Jeffrey Bow- Boyer Chapman, okay, um, who is currently on a on a TV series by uh, Disney Plus. But Jeffrey Boyd Chapman was talking to The Hollywood Reporter and sort of spilt the tea a little bit about what happened behind the scenes. Now, mm. I really disliked Jeffrey Boyd Chapman's critiques and also uh, the critiques of the other judges. I thought yeah. that they were, they were demeaning. They were incredibly negative. It yep. seemed un-Canadian. Like it wasn't particularly constructive and it was more catty. And I, yeah, I just yeah. I didn't appreciate that. And I thought the judges completely missed the mark yep. uh, during the first season. The only thing I liked about that show is Rutabaya. Yeah, yeah, the the uh, Montreal drag queen. Everything else was like there are bits that I liked otherwise, but she when when she was off the show, I lost interest. Mm-hmm. She was fantastic. I yeah, absolutely she's adored amazing, her. Yeah. With a beggar. Now, um, so Jeffrey Boa Chapman has uh, told the Hollywood Reporter essentially um, that a lot of, I mean, first of all, I think we need to quite firmly establish that the racist vitriol that has been leveled against Jeffrey Boa Chapman is absolutely unequivocally unacceptable yeah. yeah like his race had uh you know is is not something that is up for debate or critique yeah. um and it and the sort of twitter backlash that has really reckoned with him uh is is completely unacceptable um it also has nothing to do with anything like you don't need to fall back on that to criticize him. there are things to criticize and that, that was not on that list but yeah, what do you say to the Hollywood Reporter? So yeah, he essentially said that he was brought on board by the um, American producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he got there, it was all the Canadian producers. And he sort of alleged that maybe these Canadian producers were trying to make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the RuPaul Drag Race franchise 
comes the name comes automatically with a very large audience Mm -hmm. you know it has gone mainstream people were very excited to see the canadian version so you know these producers were relatively assured that they would have a a bit of a hit on their hands Mm -hmm. in producing it jeffrey bowler chapman seems to allude to the fact that some of them um went that went to the head essentially and the the ego impacted it but what i found in the entertainment industry what i know i know i need to i am shocked but no what uh what really stuck out to me about his interview with the hollywood reporter is the kind of allegation that the canadian producers essentially asked uh you know provided the judges with uh, some of the critiques mm-hmm. that that they were then told to, to share, and that some of the judges were told to give more negative critiques, mm-hmm. or here are examples of negative critiques that you could give. Now, bearing in mind that these producers and the and the series editors, you could t- say twelve nice things and one you know mean thing yeah and uh, it's up to the editors as to what makes it into the broadcast yeah so yeah. yeah i i found it incredibly interesting that he was that he was fighting back against the allegation of being catty and mean yeah uh, and putting some of the blame on the producers of the show essentially saying that you know they fed us some of these terrible lines they fed us the push to be negative and mean mm-hmm. and it was that negativity and that meanness which for me really put me off the judges yeah yeah so i mean one thing it, it kind of feels like he's passing the buck on because like he did have response those words did come out of his mouth um maybe if it was a you do it or we blacklist you and you never work again like that would be a pretty crappy situation but that's not what he's saying what he's saying was they told him to do a thing he didn't like to do and then he did it uh but moreover uh reality television we've known since like 2002 back when it was just survivor on the air that this kind of show is about as real as pro wrestling you know they they decide who's gonna win so it's very real yeah, very real. Like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 just like wrestling, you know, you can see the drag is real and the performances are real and the, the dresses are real, and the costumes are real. But when they compete, winners and losers are chosen according to what's going to be most dramatic, not according to who actually won. I don't know how many times you made me watch RuPaul with you. I was like, she did not deserve that win. She did not dance the best. She did not lip sync the best. That costume was not the best. They said that that thing was terrible, but it was the best thing on stage. And and they go according to what causes the most drama because that's what they're there for. They're there for yeah, drama. And, and they paint certain people as certain types of characters. It yeah. is reality TV. I just, I think that the if, if there's an ounce of truth in this, yeah. those Canadian producers got it wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. And they cost Jeffrey Bower Chapman his, his reputation. Yeah, yeah. And if this is true, I mean, if anything else, the the let's say it's 100% uh, Jeffrey Bowers, okay? It would still be the producers who let that on air. Yeah, who who cut and edited it in such yeah. a way. Exactly, so yeah. They're definitely at least somewhat culpable, if not mostly culpable. Um, so, I mean, I... And the other thing that, that keeps popping into my mind is, is RuPaul owns the brand of RuPaul 
but RuPaul does not own the concept of a pageant. Oh, you know, drag. If yeah. it really comes down to it, if you're to go to CBC and say, we want to have a version of RuPaul's Drag Race where we don't have to license RuPaul's name, and it's just Canada's drag competition, or actually it would be Canada's Imperial Court, probably mm-hmm. something like that, um, people would watch. You, It wouldn't attract the international attention that RuPaul does, at least not at first. But it could be the kind of thing that at the end, when it's all wrapped up, if it gets enough of a reputation, if enough clips get on YouTube, people from other countries will probably jump on their VPN and start watching our stuff. Like, it's it's not that hard. They did it with um, Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. People from around the world watched their stuff. So why not? I don't, it'll be interesting. So I do have another story, a completely d- different speed. I forgot to mention it to you earlier, actually. So oh. this might be a bit of news to you. Oh. Um, in Germany, there is a new design for a male contraceptive device. Okay. Now, uh, right now, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, so much of the onus yeah. for not getting pregnant lies with the woman. Yeah, uh, which you know the the act of sex is a 50 50 interplay mm-hmm. but the responsibility is not 50 50 uh when it comes to preventing uh the 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 method for pre- preventing pregnancy if that's yeah. the path you want to take yeah, yeah yeah so this this becomes a, pro- a, a problem i i well something to know okay well Condoms are one of the most effective, like absolutely just one of the most effective things out there, and that's for men. And all the other methods, the ton, number of times I've heard people say, "Why don't the men take a pill?" They have made contraceptive pills for men in the past, and uh, the one that they did about ten years ago ended with a quarter of the test subjects committing suicide or attempting to. Uh, the one before that that they did in the early two thousands caused permanent sterility in all of the test subjects. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do this kind well, of thing. Well, you say that. Now, uh, Rebecca Weiss, uh, this German designer, cannot take birth control. Okay. Because of uh, her own health medical, uh, you know, health. Uh, she was di- di- diagnosed with cervical cancer, um, so mm. she cannot take birth control. So what she has done is try to figure out, is there a solution? Okay. And her solution is to essentially boil your testicles. Now, that may sound extreme, but but what it does, it's like this small, sleek-looking cup thing uh, within which a a gentleman would put his uh, appendages, Mm -hmm. and it has water in it, and it would slowly raise the, the heat level in the water, and over a series of multiple uses, it would essentially uh, stop the production of, of uh, effective semen. But the, the key thing with her invention is that if you stop doing it, give it a couple of months, boom, back to baby making. Hmm. And unlike, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of surgical interventions that are available for men, some of these more permanent pills that you mentioned that are available for men, yeah, you know, just a little dip uh, is better than a snip in this case, uh, is sort of where we're going with it. Yeah, if your testicles are at the same temperature as your core body temperature, you will be sterilized by it. It doesn't even but have to be that Temporarily, because, yeah, you know, yeah. things, it, it will recover. So she uh, invented it and it's got a lot of attention uh, because this could be a pretty 
uh, reasonable avenue for men to also participate in the birth control discussion. Um, well, I mean, condoms come up, but they're, they're pretty. Yeah, effective. I know, I know, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yes, but you know, this could be the male equivalent of the the birth control pill. Okay. So yeah, it's exciting to see if this comes forward. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see where it uh, where it goes. Now, the uh, a bit of sad news coming out of the UK. I did notice recently that the Gay Times, which is one of the news organizations we follow, have stopped their print publication. Mm-hmm. They were going for nearly 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, another sad loss to the, the printed queer news industry. But they're still online. Yep. And they've they're been printing for longer. What was it? There was um, it the New York Times. Stop making a print. There's something that stopped making the print. New York Times still prints. Maybe it was the Tribune or something. But anyway, there was some major big name that has a font named after it, and the <laughs> they lasted longer than than I wish I could remember who it was. Chicago Tribune, New York Times. I don't know. It'll come to me. There's somebody who stopped printing and they're fully digital. Well, the probably last... Portland. They're all hippies. They like the digital there. The last <laughs> news story I have uh, relates to the church and the Pope. Okay. Um, the will he, won't he on supporting uh, LGBT folks has sort of dogged this Pope since he uh, became pontiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Wednesday, the 15th of September, so last week, uh, mm-hmm. he essentially told reporters after his short trip to Slovakia, that the Pope, uh, he said, and, and according to the quote here, I have spoken clearly about this, no, uh, question mark. Uh, marriage is a sacrament. Marriage is a sacrament. The church doesn't have the power to change sacrament. It's as our Lord established. So for those who are holding out any kind of hope on the Pope, uh, hope on the Pope, uh, introducing any changes regarding gay marriage within mm. the Catholic Church, as far as the Pope is concerned, uh, a sacrament is, is well, it's sacrament and, and, yeah. uh, and uh, cannot be changed by himself. So unless he has a vision from God, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So for all of the Canadian Catholics who are looking to enter homosexual marriages, um, it seems like that's pretty permanently off the table. So is Unitarianism. D- Okay. Or United. I can never remember the difference. Isn't the United the really the 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 chill one? Like that with they're all the both really chill. Churches? I asked a United minister once, what is the difference? And she said it's really hard to explain the difference. <laughs> there was a there was a gay minister, I forget what denomination it was, I think it's in Scotland, who has currently refused to marry straight people until his church allows the marriage of gay people. He's hmm. like, if you're allowing discrimination to stop marriages based on gender, then I will do the same. Um, and uh, he will not marry straight people. It was it's quite gotta be a Protestant, yeah. I don't know. It was very, very interesting shoe on the other foot argument. But uh, we have run out of time. We will Indeed. be playing uh, off with The Bravery by Irish Maiden. Um, I am a fiendish fan of Irish Maiden. I have been Luke Smith. There's also a band called The Bravery that I'm a Ooh. fan of, but, but unrelated. Yeah. Unrelated. Unrelated. Right. This is the bravery be Irish Mighton. I've been Nick Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And thank you for listening. I know what you carry, how heavy it is. But just let it go, let it down for a bit. Take our hands. 
wanna see you shine. The night time will end and the day will begin. Just open your eyes now and let the light in. We're gonna see you fly. Just let it. Heavy.